Welcome to The Mental Cast, powered by Soul Performance Academy. The Mental Cast is a podcast focused on the topics and people helping drive us forward in leadership, learning, and our personal journeys. Just a reminder, you can send in your questions using the hashtag AskDanMickle, A-S-K-D-A-N-M-I-C-K-L-E, or sending an email to info at danmickle.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Mental Cast. And welcome to the Mental Cast Season 3. This is Episode 4. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of sitting down and chatting with Joanna Pahorsky from the UK. And Joanna is an accountability and mindset coach and mentor, as well as a SSAS trustee, property investor. And she basically just helps business owners and property investors to get complete clarity and work out that business plan to help them, you know, continue on with their business or start a business. And in this chat, we had a great conversation about a lot of things from the business side and, and how going from the sport world for me into the business world has been a challenge and some of the things. And we also have a great conversation about the housing market and how crazy it's been during the pandemic. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Joanna Porsky and I'll see you at the end. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Dan. Hi, everyone. Um, it's great to be here. And um, I have quite an international background and actually this has set the scene uh, very early on for what I'm doing today. So um, I was born in Poland, we emigrated to Austria. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to also live in France. And uh, now UK is my home. And on the way, I've also spent one half years in Angola and Africa. And this has really given me a lot of um, um, idea and real life examples of how life looks like um, in different parts of the world and how different mindsets can be, how different um, values can be and, and the reasons why people do what they do. So what really piqued your interest to start it, I guess, as a business, to, to take it from probably what you were interested in to actually starting a business and taking on clients? Yes. So um, I actually spent 20 years in corporate employment, um, so I'm quite uh, late to the entrepreneurial stage. And um, I was very fortunate that I had strong support within my, my corporate career. So it was quite um, uh, late towards the end of the 20 years I've, I've pursued it that I've realized that actually that a lot of opportunities and ideas um, that people have within the corporate world, uh, which they are uh, for various reasons not able to put into practice. Um, so they um, don't make the, the switch or the move into um, the entrepreneurial world, into running their own business uh, for, for a host of reasons. Uh, and if they set up their business, they might not have enough time or focus or, or um, there might be other reasons why they actually don't pursue that business full time uh, and develop it and grow it uh, as they potentially could have done. 
So were you doing this sort of thing in your corporate world? Was it like a function of what you were doing and it just kind of expanded? Or did you just jump from, say, doing sales or support, you know, into this type of arena? So um, within my um, the 20 year career, I actually worked as a management consultant for seven years. And um, this was gr a great way of learning really how a business does work, could work, should work, <laughs> and also can improve. So, so what are the business models? How, they, how do they work? Um, what uh, works in different industries? Um, looking at the customer centricity, client centricity within a business, what does it mean? How can it help? How can helping client? really help to generate more income or revenue um, and uh, and help grow the business. And this is something that was part of my job, helping a multitude of clients with that. And um, at the same time, that also meant um, coaching and mentoring different members of those organizations to uh, to sustain, to help them sustain those models. So all the knowledge we brought in and that support as management consultants, we effectively transferred this where, where there was a gap onto the organizations, um, where, where the organization team members and managers and leaders uh, continue then with these improved business models, improved processes, and, um, and really um, manage that business going forward in a more effective, more efficient way. Uh, sometimes with with innovations as well. And um, in addition to that, so so when I after after being in management consulting, I actually um, was employed for a business in different roles um, uh, for for about seven years as well. And what I did is I um, deployed all these different strategies and ways of um, doing business, improving business models and serving customers better um, working for those businesses. So, so the last business I managed was for an engineering company and this was a 60 million business. So that's, that's a British pounds business uh, and also 350 people. And um, uh, that, uh, that business um, generated a lot of value for customers. And um, there was a lot of change during the time I was there and all the strategies, all the ways of, of um, helping with management of change, improving uh, the processes, reaching higher customer satisfaction that I learned as a management consultant really helped to move that business forward and implement a more modern and innovative business model then. So was it a moment where you kind of just woke up and said, okay, I'm going to go out on my own and, and you know, dip my toes in the deep waters of entrepreneurship, or was it just a circumstance where right time, you know, right place, right time, and, and now's the time to pull the trigger and kind of, kind of do it? It's, it's very interesting because I think actually many people who um, have set up their own businesses had a moment where actually they came to the conclusion, this is now the time to do it. And um, I still remember the conversation it was with my then boss and, um, it, it became very apparent to me that um, some of the vision that we had for the business uh, maybe wasn't aligned. And uh, in terms of, um, um, of where, where I would have to look longer term was probably outside the business. And this was not in, in a bad way in any way. It's just, you know, sometimes you come to a crossroads and you realize that that's a decision that you have to make. And, and I have to say at that point in time, I actually did not know exactly what I wanted to do. So I knew I had to uh, run my own business. I had the knowledge, I had the skills, um, but I wasn't quite sure which direction to go. And um, I actually did a lot of research and I 
looked um, not just online, but I went to a lot of launches. I went to a lot of presentations. I went to some amazing events. Um, all of them completely unrelated to anything I had ever done before. So I have to say one of my favorites um, had been the Hacks and Hackers. So basically this is a community of people who either um, work in IT or are journalists. And they, um, they share incredible knowledge and progress in their industries and they can't get together. And one of the times I was there, and I, it was really widening my, my horizon about, you know, what is out there outside project management, outside managing a company. And, and um, the question was asked, you know, who in there is not a hacker or hacker, so doesn't work in IT or in journalist. And I put my hand up and I was the only person in the room of about 60 people <laughs> who had was completely from outside the industries. And this really showed me um, how, how great it is actually to venture out of your own environment and what great opportunities for, for acquiring new, new skills and knowledge and, and insights there are uh, outside the, the well-trodden path. And um, with, um, with this process, uh, I eventually um, was at a book presentation and it, it's quite fascinating because um, this is a book, um, a concept called um, designing your life. And these are two Stanford professors who have set it up a few years ago. They were presenting the book. So this was brand new at the time. And, and they were, uh, this was again, a room of about 60, 80 people. And um, the, the process they described in the book, and by now it's a whole franchise. So it's very popular now. Um, and what they described was really the way how you can find out what you want to do when you're actually not sure. And for me, this process concluded that very evening. So it was very rapid. And I knew at that point in time, there are two things I want to do in life. One is to help people through coaching and business is the natural um, industry or area to do this. And the second one is actually property investing. So, so this is how my search for, for what do I want to do outside the corporate world concluded. And these are the two areas, property investment and coaching that I have been focusing on. So was there a time there where you're kind of balancing, okay, I know this is the area and, and what I want to do now. Do I look for a company where I can fill that role or am I just going to do it all and, and kind of go out on my own? What was there that kind of weighing of those, those two paths to the same journey? It's, it's a really good question because actually um, it never crossed my mind that I would do either of these um types of, of role for a company. I always knew at that at that that meeting which triggered my whole search process and reorientation process, I knew that I have to work for myself. I have to set up a business and run a business, which is my vision, doing the things uh, I know are right my way. And I don't have to answer to anyone but myself, uh, which which I'm quite good at, and really follow the, the vision. That, that I have for the business and the way how I can help people, how I can serve people. Have you found it difficult working across the borders? Um, I, I know how I work with, say, my Canadian clients is vastly different than with my American clients. And obviously with your background and the places you've been, have you found it's kind of difficult culture-wise to fit in and, and figure out what works in one area versus another? Um, it's interesting because um, the reason why I mentioned my background in the beginning is because I've always had to adapt quite a lot to an environment that um, 
that I was new to in, in, in the beginning when I was younger. I actually didn't speak the language, didn't understand the culture and was maybe not always the most welcoming. So I've learned quite well to adapt and coaching and, and um, whether it's business coaching or, or wider coaching, it's really about understanding what someone needs and the way how I can deliver what they need uh, to help them move from point A to point B. And this is why um, coaching, I find, has to be visual. So whether it's on Zoom or face-to-face, -face, uh, I think it's really important to see each other, particularly for me to be able to see the client, because I find a lot of the coaching varies more with the, with the need and the want of the client and actually um, the past experiences as well um, they've had with coaching, with, with actually what they're pursuing and, uh, and the personality more than national, necessarily with nationality. So my experience has been, um, I always say, if you switched off my voice, so, so if, if you recorded a coaching or coaching sessions I have with clients and you didn't know it's me, sometimes you might not be able to tell it's, it's the same person, the same coach because the conversations and the engagements can be so very different. But that's, this is not necessarily something that has something to do with maybe nationality, but I would say more with personality and, and specifically where the person is and what they need at the time. In that same realm of things, do you find it completely different working with someone who, you know, like maybe you're coaching an entrepreneur or someone that's just starting out versus maybe coaching someone that's already in an established company and kind of trying to fit in the parameters of, of the, the culture and the history of the company they're working for? Um, yes and no. Um, I think it's very important not to make assumptions, especially meeting a new client. It's very important not to have assumptions thinking someone who is more established um, might know um, that much more. Because what I'm finding, um, for example, in the, in the very often the property world is that um, people might have made some great investments. However, they don't see property investment necessarily as a business. Um, so they might not be looking at it overall on the, at the legal situation, you know, the setup, the, the taxation situation, how to optimize it. And also over time, uh, they might not have a business plan. They might not know what, what a KPI, key performance indicators, or use them. So, um, and that might have been landlords for, for even decades, not just years, decades. Uh, whereas um, someone who's younger and actually says, look, I have no idea, just um, help me to get from A to B, help me with this transformation, um, you know, help me to fill those, those knowledge gaps, this gap in experience. They might be actually sometimes also more open to coaching. And uh, often people use the word coachable. And um, I think this is more something to do with, um, with the growth mindset. So that, that's Carl Dweck's, um, yep. Carl Dweck's domain. And uh, more, more with the growth mindset that actually they experience over time or the knowledge. So that's a great segue into what I want to get into next, which is the you know the nuts and bolts of what you do. But before we do that, I just kind of want to ask for you and your coaching business and and even your property investment, has there been a really big change in your workload and what you're doing now that we're in this the whole COVID? Um, you know, I was kind of caught off guard because 
I almost quadrupled my business in this last year because everyone's looking for, you know, mental training and, and mental coaching and, and development. And I just wasn't prepared for that many people reaching out. Um, have you seen that kind of growth or has it kind of slowed down and you're, you're navigating the waters of the pandemic? So I think I'm in a slightly different um, business stage than you in this particular situation and some other people I've spoken to as well, because um, I actually resigned and start, start set up the business full time um, at the beginning of last year. So I have been building it up and initially I was focused more on property. And actually through property, I then moved more into coaching increasingly. So um, I, um, I think where I am now, where the business is starting to become really established and, and moving from the startup to the growth phase is actually coincided with the, the end of the shutdown and, uh, and more with the um, increase of liberties again. So it will be very interesting to see if this is going to impact the numbers of people who will be signing up for, for um, their masterclasses and the program uh, in terms of them having now alternatives outside the living room to actually go out and do things with friends and family uh, outdoors. Um, so so um, uh, based on, on where I am, uh, what I've seen is it was a steady increase of people coming to me um, to asking me questions, uh, but uh, I couldn't say that this was COVID related. I think this was more related to um, the way how I've been establishing myself over the last um, one and a half years as, as a business coach and, and life coach as well. On the property investment side, are you guys in the UK having a big property boom? Like, I mean, I, I, for example, on our street alone, there were three houses, you know, that went up for sale and sold within two days. Um, and, and it's almost impossible to buy property in a house right now. Um, are you guys experiencing the same kind of boom or is it not as much on that side? Yes, actually, we do. And, and there's a lot of debate how, how real or unreal it is. The reality is when you look at the numbers, so at, at what prices houses have been selling, there is a boom. And um, the, the reasons are twofold. So first of all, there's been, um, after Brexit, a lot of people were actually, oh, sorry, after the Brexit vote, there were a lot of people who were waiting to see what's going to happen. So there were a lot of transactions which were postponed. Um, and on top of that, we had then the lockdown and a lot of people during the lockdown actually uh, revisited the, uh, the way how they want to live, uh, where they want to live. Um, so the second layer um, came um, on top of that as well. And when the, um, uh, when last year around summertime, the, um, um, the, the lockdown ended or was, um, was um, um, there were more freedoms. A lot of people then started buying properties as owners, occupiers, so for themselves, um, and particularly encouraged also by the stamp duty holiday um, that um, uh, we have been experiencing uh, since last year. So basically, um, one of the big, big tax items was no longer to be paid, and a lot of people were encouraged by this to buy at that point in time. So all these owner, owners occupiers were then in competition, or have been since then in competition with investors. And, and uh, for some investors, this meant that they were just not able to proceed or progress as quickly as they wanted to, um, uh, or have been looking at different areas to invest in than, than the residential area, such as, for example, commercial to residential conversions. Interesting. So, so I, I find it fascinating that while we're, we're separated, obviously, by 
by mountains and waters and oceans and, and philosophies and every possible way, there's still a common, you know, thread a- across the globe that, that kind of happens. Um, we'll take a short break, going to sell some books and then, um, we'll come back and let's get into the nuts and bolts of, of your services and what you do. Hey everyone, this is Dan Mickle with Soul Performance Academy. Just dropping you a quick line to let you know that the 2019 Don't Sucks Performance Journal is now available to order online. Help take your game or craft to the next level with this great four-month journal. From goal setting to meditation, this journal is a must-have for anyone who's serious about getting to the next level, whether you're an athlete, a musician, or in the corporate world. Learn more and order online at 717soul.com slash DSPJ. That's 717soul.com slash DSPJ. And remember, don't suck. All right, so we're back, and I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit about I'm a client, and and maybe I'm thinking I have this idea as a business or starting something, and I don't know where to begin. Is that when I pick up the 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 phone and give you a call or, or reach out to you. It's just, is that how I start? I'm just, I don't know where to go. And I think you can coach me through it or do I kind of start and, and see where I falter and then give you a call, which, which way are you seeing it happen? So um, risk avoidance is always better than uh, risk mitigation after things start happening is my opinion. Um, But also sometimes it's just good to bounce off ideas of someone who has been there and seen seen what can happen, what the options are to move forward. So it can really take a lot of pressure and unnecessary fear of people to be able to speak to someone who understands because very often friends and family actually uh, might not have the right knowledge or maybe might be even worried themselves about having such a conversation. Um, so it's always a good a good thing to pick up the phone and speak to someone who is an independent party and, and can share and ask some questions, uh, maybe give some pointers in terms of um, what to look at, what to consider, um, where where to um, start maybe an investigation or, or um, what to think about when starting out um, on this on this uh, entrepreneurial journey because um, my experience has been and I'm sure most people will concur that it's almost like a parallel universe when you come from the corporate world you know a lot of things are set up for you um, the way how um, teams are structured the companies are structured uh, process flows are structured this is all normally preset unless of course you work for a startup but uh, once you start up yourself, then this is up to you, how you set up, what you do. You know, if you choose, if you chose for argument's sake to do nothing, then it will take some time before this will come back to bite you. So accountability is absolutely critical and that self-discipline uh, to make, make it work. So that's one of, one of the things, for example, that are quite different and quite important uh, together, of course, with the whole technical setup, which, uh, you know, which is taken care of in a company. But when you set up on your own, you have to make all these decisions, technical decisions yourself. And actually, if you have any challenges, you have to find people who are going to help you um, often remotely uh, and you have to test and you know find, find the right people um, maybe through a network and maybe uh, just through trial and error it, it, it depends so um, what I try to do is really to help people minimize the trial and error because I know how much time and um, nerves and money it can cost you yeah and I think our egos kind of get in a way too I mean there, there has to be some sort of 
at least a little bit, whether good or bad ego, when you start your own company and your business. Um, I, I was in the IT world years ago and I started my first company in 2000 and I started it because the company that I was working for managing went under and there were a handful of clients that had nowhere to go. And I thought, well, I'll just pick up the clients. And I just was shocked with how much, you know, if I was working 14 hours a day, probably 12 hours were things not related to supporting those clients, whether it was taxes or bookkeeping or proper, you know, finding an office space and managing payroll. And, um, but I always felt like, well, I'm good enough as an IT guy that that won't matter. It'll take care of itself and I'll figure it out. And I really just got myself in this hole thinking that, you know, the, the tech side and what I was good at would overcome the business side and the stuff that I had no idea about. So I would imagine that's probably a big chunk of, of what you deal with. You know, someone comes up, whether it's, you know, they want to start a clothing line or, you know, some kind of artistic venture and they don't think about the business side and the licensing and the, you know, the, the supply chain and everything. So I, I'm guessing that that's probably a big chunk of, of what you help them with. Yes. And, um, it's very interesting because uh, this is almost, so if we think about, you know, the order of how, how things happen and what I would want to, to know to help someone, the first question is always, you know, what are you, who are you going to help and how? So this is always the very first question because sometimes people have great ideas, but actually uh, there might be not enough people or there might not be people who want, who have that problem that the person is trying to solve. So really understanding what problem does my service or my product solve and where am I going to find the clients who are then also going to pay me for that is the absolutely first step. And unfortunately, um, sometimes it's overlooked because someone who sets up the business very often sets it up around a passion. And, uh, and they might have um, a great product, a great service, but not necessarily matching with um, what clients um, want to buy or, or want to, to see. And, and sometimes um, this just stays in a silo and never becomes a success just because there are not enough interested parties who, uh, who want to buy that service or that product. So, so this is always the very first question. Uh, what is the unique selling proposition? How are you different than others who do the same, assuming that the market is, is significant enough? And then, of course, just like you said, following from that is the whole um, repair, I call it, in terms of how you're going to do it. So how do you set yourself up legally? Who's going to manage your taxes? You know. Um, do you need any patents? Uh, how do you protect your intellectual property IP? All these things are really important to consider because you know if you cannot connect with your clients um, uh, because your phone isn't working or you know your email is down again, then you will really struggle even with the with the best solution for whatever the client problem is to make the business work. Yeah, I think the second time around when I started this business and started doing more of the performance psychology and the consulting, there was a lot more thought process into, okay, I need to make sure I have a lawyer and I need to make sure I have a bookkeeper and I need to make sure I have a mentor. Those were the three big things right out of the box. Like I'm not starting this company if I can't find those three people because that's really the, the financial side is is really can be a struggle for some people. And there's there's a big jump from 
selling a couple pieces of, you know, art or what you create on Etsy and making a couple dollars to making that jump to, okay, this is going to be my full-time job. And, and I think that that's something that most people don't really look at is, is how big that jump is from taking something that's maybe a hobby or a passion and making it into your full-time, you know, mortgage payment and retirement plan job. Yes. And you're absolutely right because, um, what especially where, where people start with uh with a passion or a hobby very often they can be quite artistic and their strengths might be in in the area area of creativity however a lot of the systems that have to be in place do not play to that strengths at all so um very often the enablers to actually be able to that part where someone is really strong creative you know and, and um and uh, serves clients that way through, for example, like you said, a, a product on Etsy, for example, um, they, they, that same person, their strengths might not be bookkeeping and IT. So they have to find a way of as quickly as possible, outsource that part of the, of the business to someone who actually is going to do it very well and is going to free up the time to focus on what they are best at and, uh, and how this can serve the clients best. And that's the creative part. Yeah. And I, I just, man, I think that's such an, an overlooked part because we want to look at what things will directly lead to income. And sometimes it's hard to see how a mentor or even legal services, you know, we just write that check every month, but we don't realize how much they're protecting us. And I think that's the space that we're in with coaching and mentorship is part of our selling process has to be this is how it affects your return on investment. This is how we increase your revenue, even though you may not see how it directly sells your product or sells your service. Um, is that one of the biggest challenges that you run into with clients is kind of showing them how your services or, or why they need you? Um, so for me, it's about um, helping someone to um, transform from wherever they are today to wherever they want to be in the future. And um, based, on, based on, on my experience and what I've seen work, there are nine steps, um, a framework of nine steps. And um, what, what tends to, to happen is that uh, in, in a number of areas, someone will be uh, strong already, have those look, will have looked at those and have them in place and set in some they want. And there is normally two ways how the conversation goes. So um, there are there are people who feel confident that they'll be able to achieve everything themselves because they have the background, uh, whether it's business or accountability mindset or combination of all. Maybe have, like you mentioned, you've actually set up more than one business. They might have set it up before. So what they're looking for might be a bit more of a sense check. Uh, and and um, just a one-off conversation to see if what they are thinking is going to translate into serving clients that, that can be monetized. So, so that, that's one way. Um, many people find it quite challenging to, to navigate that very clear process themselves. And it's a very clear process, I have to say. Um, and, um, and they ask for support. So either to do it faster or to do it at all. For various reasons, they might not feel confident to, to go the journey on their own. They might not necessarily have, um, like you were saying, they might not have the, um, the mentors or not be able to find the mentors um, who they need and feel they, they, they really need to move forward. 
or they just want to accelerate and they want someone who's going to be a sounding board and, and offer them constructive challenge and also support so they can move um, to whatever goal they want to achieve faster uh, than they would otherwise and, and really um, constructively help them to uh, not get um, uh, distracted by whatever might be happening every day, whether it's uh, work, family or life. Uh, so they don't want life to get in the way, as, as many people say to me, and, and they want a coach and support uh, really to stay on track and get to the number one business goal faster. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's key too, is the, the pathway gets them to those goals faster and, and kind of cuts out all that muddling in the middle. Um, do you feel that that people might be currently in the situation overloading themselves? Like they're, they're worried that their corporate job may not be there. So we're seeing them kind of jump into being their entrepreneurial world and, and being their own boss. Or do you think this was a change that was just eventually coming that people, you know, want to start their own businesses? Um, I, th I think it's quite interesting because, and I've had, I've had this conversation so many times that um, large, a large part of um, at least the Western society um, going through education is rarely shown uh, the entrepreneurial path, unless of course they grow up in a family uh, where someone runs a business. But, but many people don't. So actually the uh, running a business or the entrepreneurial path is not, uh, is not something they might consider or, or think about. And um, very often, again, when something, um, when a life event happens, or for example, someone uh, loses their job or uh, they have to move and they cannot find a new job there, or they have to change their ways of working because they are looking after someone, for example. This is where people often start looking at other um, revenue generating ways than the regular employment. And, and I think we've had more than the normal, um, the normal share of those uh, through through everything that has been happening through COVID, uh, and a lot of the the changes we've seen, a lot of the extreme um, shift in in what was possible, especially where where there have been lockdowns and and some of the restrictions that we've been experiencing. So uh, we've been in an environment that um, that has been completely new, and and also. Um, a lot of opportunities have moved online. So when you think who has been generating a lot of additional revenue, uh, people who, who trade online, just because even going out um, sometimes wasn't possible um, and it was much safer and, and faster actually, very often still is to actually order something online uh, instead of going somewhere yourself and maybe you couldn't even find it anywhere near you, uh, which is a commutable distance. So so I think that the whole way of how we, um, how we look for what we need and and the reach uh, has really expanded and this has really uh, brought forward um, for many people the idea that they can do can they can start up a, a new business and maybe work um, work um, in a different way that they've mostly um, been in, in their past life so as we start to kind of wrap up this this little chat what what do you think the huge future holds for well, coaching in general and business coaching in general, and then for you specifically, you know, what's your roadmap and, and where do you see yourself taking your company and, and what you're doing in the next couple of years? Um, 
one of the things that has been a recurrent theme has been um, that where, where um, I have seen clients um, find it challenging actually to build up businesses is because they had some um, experiences where um, frameworks within which they were trying to set up the business were just too rigid. And uh, the world is becoming more and more flexible. People are more and more informed. So it actually is important to be more responsive and more flexible and understanding of your own customers, whoever they are, and um, really try to focus on solving the problem. And um, this, is, this is something that I really want to explore and take forward. Um, into, into the future. So what I'm looking to see is how this framework that could be very rigid, but actually is very flexible. And I've taken this across from, um, from the innovation process. The best innovation processes have something called freedom in the framework, where you have a very clear path from A to B, but within that you actually remain as flexible as you need to support the client the best possible way. So having this in place, this flexibility within a framework, is in my opinion going to be more and more important to cater to very specific needs and, um, and wants of whoever the client might be. And in my case, particularly, this means taking the model um, into a franchise and really adapting it to different industries or maybe needs that people have um, and the challenges they want to overcome and really focus it much more on some of the specific details that, uh, that are going to make a difference to them, to the business, to their life uh, and, and to their future. Wow, I, I'm just, the, the whole flexible framework and, and your vision is, is very interesting to me because I, I can't wait to see how that kind of transition works because I, I think that is an amazing concept and I think there's so many different markets and companies and industries that that could fall in that would just be so beneficial to so many people um so so when i have to ask when, when's the book coming right like this just sounds like a a perfect project to 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 kind of write a book on is is there thoughts on that do you, do you think you, you see yourself becoming an author and writing a little bit so um I have, I have written since I was 16, uh, but that's probably not for public consumption when, <laughs> when you look at it. Um, but on the more serious note, uh, I think a book has to help. And um, what, what very often helps is not just a theoretical concept and much of what I've described is you know, the foundations of how I support people. But um, I think what really helps is when people see a transformation of someone who's a real person who've been through struggles they've been experiencing themselves and following a certain path, their commitment, their accountability mindset really made the transformation to where they want to be with the business, with their life. And uh, so for me, a book has to be a reflection of great journeys and great successes. And um, considering that they are, they are now uh, starting to come through, I'm going to make an accountability commitment here. I think next year is going to be realistic. So I think end of 2022, hold me accountable to that. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm gonna put that down there, 2022. There you go. <laughs> so if someone wants to get a hold of you for your services, what's the, what's the easiest, best way to, to reach out, contact you, maybe learn a little bit more about you? Uh, so my email is joanna at theaccountablemindset.com 
Uh, and you will also find me as Joanna Pohorski on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on Facebook. And um, if, if you want a, a nice community of um, with constructive challenge and also business resources, hacks, tips, uh, I run a group uh, on, on Facebook called the Accountable Mindset Community. And uh, you're very welcome to join and become part of the community. Yeah, I actually just uh, joined this morning and found some great information right away. So it was one of those groups that I think as soon as you join, you'll you'll find some good information um, coming from the members. And I was really excited with what I saw. Thank you. Well, John, I want to thank you for taking this time. And I, I know the time difference and everything between the UK and I can, can be a little bit of a struggle. But um, I'm really glad we, we got to have this talk. And I, I really hope that people take away from this the, the value of coaching in the business world and how it will help grow your business and and not even just grow it but make it sustainable um you know past that dreaded what is it they say if if you make it past the first three years you're usually pretty good um so i just want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us and um hopefully some people get in in contact with you and you know you, you get some benefit out of this thank you very much for inviting me dan thank you Great. Have a have a uh, great week and stay uh, stay safe. And you. <laughs> I, and thanks. Yes. And thank you everyone for checking into the mental cast and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you so much. That was exactly what I was looking for and I have some great nuggets. So. Thank you for listening to The Mental Cast, powered by Soul Performance Academy and hosted by Dan Mickle. You can always reach the show on all social media platforms at the username at RealDanMickle or via the show's website at danmickle.com. Don't forget to check out our title sponsor, Soul Performance Academy, at the username at 717soul and on their website, 717soul.com. We hope you can join us for our next episode.